what most people don't understand is the differences in a an offer, right? What goes into an offer? And I think I think there's a there's a lot of nuance that goes into that that a lot of people don't fully understand, especially now with obviously the transfer portal and some schools almost not entirely, but certainly they're recruiting less and less out of high school and going more toward those those FCS schools or even even a group of five schools. So what what goes into a a recruits offer? There's lots of different types of offers, and I think just let's just go through all of them. All right. So you got guys based on where they're ranked at from an evaluation skill point. Uh, skill set, right? So every kid, you watch their film, find out all the information there is about them, and then wherever they grade out at determines what kind of offer it is, right? If they're a blue chip guy, you're going to offer him, and you're going to recruit him heavy. If he's a guy, if he if he's a guy you think can come in and contribute right away, right, and can compete with the starters and be an all conference player, then you have the guys just maybe score below them. Who you can say, hey, he's going to be a contributor, maybe a starter, right? So his offer is committable as well because you think he can play, then you have those guys below them. We want to give you an offer, but we want to further evaluate you, right? And then you have the guys who we're going to continue to evaluate you and no offer, right? And so it just depends on where you score in that evaluation chart and what your score is determines if you're going to get an offer and then what kind of offer is that. So when they're – how straightforward, how honest are they at the beginning of this? They're like, look, hey – we're giving we're giving you an offer, but we want to evaluate you more. So you're saying that that kid can't commit? Is that what's happening? Uh, most time, yes. You know, it's not a committable offer. You do have an offer from, say, University of Texas, right? You have an offer from us. Uh, we're going to continue to evaluate you because some kids will try to commit and coaches will be like, "Hey, let's hold on, let's wait, let's continue to, you know, build this relationship." They may not say, "Hey, let me going to continue to." We're not. We're going to continue to evaluate you. You know, they may use other words of like, "Hey, let's continue to build. We're not ready to take the commitment just yet." You know, let's kind of get to know each other, right? Those are the words they'll use, even though they're right. just trying to continue to evaluate you. Or you may not be as high on the board as the guy at the same position that has an offer. And if he commits, then, hey, you know, we probably won't have a spot for you. But if that guy doesn't commit, hey, man, you're next up pretty much. So I'm just I just want run, running through my mind like a kid gets an offer from the University of Texas, goes home, tells his parents, his parents are like, oh, this is great. Let's 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 do it. This is your dream school. So he calls the coach and he's like, hey, I'm ready to commit. And coach is like, yeah, you know, let's just let's pump the brakes a little bit. We don't need I don't want to rush into this. It seems really disingenuous. So what does that offer even mean if it's non-committable? Pretty much it's a it's a placeholder. Just like if a kid commits to a school. You're pretty much like, I'm getting some insurance in case I don't get the school I want. Kid, schools are doing the exact same thing. I'm offering you, in case I don't get the kid I want, I'll take you, but I like these other guys better than you. Of course, they're not going to tell you that, but that's really what it is. Now, I've noticed that with the University of Texas, especially Sark, Sark in particular, seems to be hyper-focused with his offers. Now, we don't I think we have a decent idea about how many offers go out, but there are certainly schools that we're all aware of that carpet bomb offers. I mean, they're just throwing those things out left and right. I mean, they're giving them to kids the the second they're eligible. Mm -hmm. What, what is the strategy there? I mean, does from a kid's perspective, and you've obviously worked with as a high school coach, you've worked with these kids. 
to me, it would seem, I mean, it would seem a little bit kind of deflating to feel like you get this offer, but you can't, it's not, it's not actionable. So what do those kids do in that situation? Are they, are they just holding on or do they just feel lucky to get an offer at all? What's going on with those kids? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on what classification they're in, right? If they're freshmen, they're not trying to commit anyway, and they're just trying to be they, – they want to gain more offers and more attention and grow. Uh, so it really depends on where you're at. If you're coming into your senior year, you're a little more serious about trying to commit because you're trying to find a home because you have to deal with the portal, guy, portal guys and then guys in your own class that's trying to commit and take spots. Um, so those guys – if you get an offer going into your, say, senior year, you probably were a, was a late eval kid, meaning they were evaluating the whole time, and they finally say, hey, he has a passing grade now. Let's go ahead and offer him. So it's probably more than likely to be more committable than if you got the offer as a sophomore and they didn't talk to you much, right? So you can pretty much tell, based on conversations you're having with coaches, hey, you got an offer from us, but the communication hasn't been as heavy. Uh, you come and visit, and you kind of, you're kind of you in one line versus the other, where everybody else is kind of going to Coach Sark. Coach Sarkeesian's office, taking pictures and meeting with him one-on-one. You were invited, but you didn't get that same VIP tour, right? So you can kind of tell, oh, I may not be ranked as high as the other. But most kids don't pay attention to that because they're just so happy to be there. I got offered, and I'm happy. They don't pay attention to the small details of who's really recruiting you. It's kind of like dating, if you know, so to speak. Like, who's paying you the most attention, right? Don't go for the, the girl over there that's not really talking to you. You just think she's cute and you want to talk to her, right? Pay, talk to the one who's paying attention to you. So it's the same thing in recruiting. Just pay attention who's showing you the most love, who's genuine about you, and really wants to get to know you and everything about you. That's how you can tell if the offer is real, somebody really wants you versus, hey, you're just my placeholder in case I don't get who I want. Now, when you're, when you're at UNLV or a school evaluating – evaluating a prospect, evaluating a recruit, how, how much credence do you give to, obviously you have your own, your own designs on, on certain players, but potentially there are going to be players that are going to send you tape unsolicited, or they're going to send you information and say, Hey, check this out. What, what do those kids need to do to get noticed? Yeah. So most kids probably, they send film to position coaches. Because that's who they know. They don't know the support staff coaches on the, on the staff, and which is rightfully so, right? Their names are not on the website most of the time. If you can find out who the support staff is, the GAs, the interns, the analysts, send the film to them. They're more inclined to look at it. Why? Because they're going to present it to the position coach. If you complain and think, hey, I got a kid, it's a chance for them to say, hey, I got a kid. I was able to evaluate the great talent. Now you're able to show it off to your boss, essentially, right? And then when the position coach or your boss says hey this kid can really play it looks good on you as you know as a coach so if, if i'm a kid that's who i'm sending my film to because that's who's going to look at it the most because they want to say hey i was able to evaluate a kid who's good and so that'd be my advice to every kid find out who's on the support staffs because that's who watches the most film and that's who gets it to the coaches is there a metric that says, look, for every X amount of offers we send out, we generally get this amount of commits? Does that I, presumably that varies per school that that idea? But do you obviously it depends on needs. You need to mm-hmm. you need to fill the needs that you have in a particular class. But is it the type of situation where you're like, look, we need two linebackers, but it's probably good for us to maybe put out four or five commits, people we want. But mm-hmm. those may not all be committable offers. Is that is that something that 
you see a school like Texas doing, or is that more for an FCS school? Um, I think that's just on the staff and the head coaches, um, how they go about organiz- organ- organizing, how they want to do, like recruiting and offering. I think every staff is just different depending on the head coach and that recruiting department. Um, well, I would say just at UNLV, we recruited what we needed. It wasn't like an over-recruitment, so to speak. Um, we would have a list. Of, if we had a number of offer guys, that out, we say we had commitments at certain spots. Okay, we really don't have any more spots to take, say a linebacker, right? But on Friday, Recruit Friday is what we call it. We're going to get in there. We're going to watch 10 linebackers. We're trying to find the next. Maybe that kid decommits that's committed to us. So we always got to have a replacement ready to come in. Or we may lose somebody to the portal. We got to find the next guy. So you're, you're going to continue to recruit just to have a cushion, so to speak. Like, hey, I have found another guy who ranks just as high as the guy that committed to us. So if we lose him, we have a replacement. Or if we lose a guy to the portal, we feel like this kid in re- recruiting can come right in and play. So you never stop recruiting or never stop trying to offer because you never know what's going to happen until signing day. And what is the general division of labor? Do you have one coach dedicated to portal guys, one coach dedicated to high school? Is it Does it cross over? Is it strictly by position? How, how is that generally divided up? I think it really depends on the size of your support staff. So at UNLV, support staff is not as big on offense. There's four guys in there, right? Uh, we're all watching film and making a list of guys to present to the position coaches. Uh, I got the, I was fortunate enough to work with Coach Marion on Recruit Friday. So, like, hey, Chuck, <laughs> I need a list of quarterbacks. Give me 10 quarterbacks we're going to watch, either from the portal or high school. I go in there and find those 10. Uh, from portal guys, I go to PFF, look at grades, look at film. And then, you know, high school guys, I'll find, I'll put on a list. And then we would go in the office and watch those guys. He'd take his notes. Um, on those if you like them i think i like this kid depending on the classification it just one day we're working we're looking at 2027 kids one day we're looking at 2026 25 depending on what you you know want to look at that day i think i'm gonna offer this kid i like him cool let's offer him or right okay i like these kids let's continue to evaluate them i don't like these kids you know these i don't think they can play here or they wouldn't fit our system let's find another five to replace them for next week but let's keep the five that i did like and so you just kind of build that database from there but that support staff at Texas is huge, right? So they probably have somebody who dedicated to just watch film only and then somebody else who watched the portal guys and kind of go from there. Do you, is it a situation wherein a school, and I don't want to say UNLV, but let's say it's a school that has less of a dominant football program, right? Are they, are they in a situation where they would say like, look, this is the number one recruit in the nation. Are we going to offer that kid with the likelihood of him coming here is pretty low because that's going to take some resources to do that? Or is it just like, hey, man, let's swing for the fences. Let's let's go for every top guy we can get. How does that work? Well, it, it varies by by the staff, honestly. Yep. Um, for me personally, if I'm running the program, I'm going to re- I'm going to offer the number one recruit in the nation. Of course. I'm going to take my shot. Right. And see. Yep. Here, here's the thing. He's connected to so many other kids who probably train with him, work with him. If I can just get that number one recruit on a visit, I may not. But if I show interest that he got an offer from him, that he got an offer from us, it's going to make other people just look at us, right? And if he shows interest, it makes everybody else look. And so it really just depends on the staff. But if I would run the program, I'm offering, right? I'm offering the number one guy because I don't see myself different than any other school. I may not have the resources, but I'm swinging for the fence. Let's, let's, let's just see what happens. Right, right. 
Do you have any, when you were in this situation, have you ever, do you have any stories and let's not use names, but of kids that maybe are really memorable in your recruiting life that were like, you really wanted that kid, but it wasn't necessarily a middleable offer. And who, who has to make that, that call or have that conversation if the kid wants in and it's just not going to happen. Um, so you have a director of player personnel who keeps up with the roster, right? And they know who's committed, who's on the roster, who may be leaving to the portal, you know, who we're looking at. So um, they kind of make decisions like, hey, we like this kid, but this is where they rank. And then they have a discussion with position coaches. Well, if you like this kid more than the kid that's already on the board, you want to move him up and drop this one down, right? And so those conversations are constantly going on up until signing day. Uh, particularly, I don't have a kid that was maybe like a non-committable, had a non-committable offer um, that I can speak to just because at UNLV was, we offered a kid, we wanted him, right? right. It, was just about, it was just about, if if you commit and we have a space for you, let's do it. Yep. Or we're going to have a hard conversation like, man, we ran out of space. And we were very open and honest. Uh, Coach Brad Odom, uh, Coach Odom's brother, man, he was very, very good and open and honest with kids. Like, we got two spots left. I know most coaches probably would say that, even when you're just trying to get a kid to commit. But if we had two spots open, we really had two spots open. So we're trying to get you in here and let you know, hey, commit or it won't be a spot left. So it wasn't that it was non-committable due to we didn't want you. It's just like, hey, we don't have any more room. Right, right. So conversations are happening. You're giving a call to a kid and saying like, look, this other kid just committed, which obviously takes a spot on the roster. We want you. If you want in on this, we need you to kind of make a decision. Right, correct. Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. How are your teeth feeling? Yeah, man, they're, they're fine, man. I'm, I'm good. Uh, I just got, just got more trays to put in. So uh, if, it, if, it, if the pain hits me, I'll take some ibuprofen later, but I'm used to it. I think I'm on like tray 15 now. I'm on a whole new box. and So yeah, I'm good though. <laughs> For those of you that are not witnessing this, we've got Coach calling from his car on what is ostensibly FaceTime. Just yeah. coming from the dentist with, let's face it, some sweet Invisalign work that's going on right there. Those are some pearly whites, my friend. Man, you know, I'm preparing for the future. I'm, I'm thinking if I'm, if I'm going to be on camera, man, I got to get, you know, <laughs> I, I got to get the grill fixed, let's man. Get, you know, it's good to know that you're going into financial ruin just to get on Inside Texas's YouTube channel. Hey, it's man, great. This, this is the best, you know, got to be prepared. <laughs> What is the, is there one period, and, and I know this has changed a lot because of the, because of the early signing period and obviously the transfer portal, but with all of that in consideration, is there one part of the calendar that's just absolutely crazy because you've, you've got to get it in or has it really just turned into a year round pursuit now? It's a year round pursuit and it never stops. You sign one class, you're on to the next. And you really already started on that next class before the signing day of the previous class. So it's nonstop. Now, does it pick up around official visits in, in November, December, or early January? Yeah, it picks up because now you got kids on campus. So you have to plan business, plan out the entire itinerary for them when they're going to come on campus. That picks up, right? But you never stop recruiting. You, it never stops. And you, is it generally you know, two years in advance, three years in advance? What's the, how far out are they looking? Uh, middle school, eighth graders, right? There's some eighth graders. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know that sounds crazy, right? But you never know. Like in other states, there's some eighth graders out there um, who are really good. Like you take the kid that I guess played at Alabama, he's eighth grader, but he played on varsity. 
Then he got an offer from Alabama, the quarterback, the kid who led him to a championship. Like, they're out there. It's rare, but you never – you always want to be in a know on the next kid that's up and coming, right? Because you want to be first. If you can find a kid and discover him before everybody else, you know, hey, you may be coaching at your current school. You're going to recruit him. But what if you get a job somewhere else? Right. Like, hey, man, I threw my offer out to you first. And sometimes you see kids like, hey, man, this coach believed in me when nobody else did, right? And so – and hey, what's the where, where's that insight coming from? Where's that that information coming from? Middle school coaches that talk to the high school coach that ultimately talk to the how are they getting? Because I mean, gosh, it's there's so many players, right? Right. Um. So most of the time, you you have your support staff out there who has connections, like me. I know a ton of coaches. I know a ton of trainers. Right. They train kids. They start training them in middle school. Hey man, I got a kid that might be good. Right. And say that trainer has a list of kids that he sent to college and, and maybe in the NFL, you trust his work ethic, you trust his background, you trust his evaluation, right? And it's like, hey, you got to make the next kid you got, I like him. I want to jump in on him early, right? He may be a freshman, but I want to go ahead and just offer him. Right. Um, I can tell you just now, me going out in the field and visiting some of the schools around the DFW area, uh, I went to Red Oak High School and there was a 2027 20, kid. This kid is a freak of an athlete, plays DBN receiver. And I saw a spin. I was like, man, this kid just got it. He has it. And, I, you know, I sent him to some schools. I like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and offer him, right? Like, And you can just see it. You want to get in on him early because he's probably going to blow up and be a national recruit. And that, and, so, a, and a kid like that, that's that's going to be one of those non-committable. Or, or is a kid like that, or you're like, you know what? He's young. We don't have enough tape necessarily, but screw it. We'll take him. I mean, what does that look like? Um, I've yet. I haven't seen a kid, a freshman commit somewhere, right? I've seen right. sophomores commit. I saw sophomores commit somewhere. You know, I think uh, Texas has a, like the KJ Lacey kid, right? He committed, right? Um, but, um, you know, it was just that holding on to those kids is hard because it's so, they have so much, um, so many years of high school left. You never know what they're going to do. Things right. change. And they change. So more, more than not, more times than not, it's not committable. Unless um, it's like a rare, you know, instances where it is. Are coaches keeping a, you were talking about kind of the director of player personnel role. Do they have a schedule that says, okay, I need you to call these kids on this day at this time at this time, or do each individual coaches kind of keep track of that? Because that's one of the things that really kind of blows my mind is just the level of communication that's going on. I, I wonder how much of it, obviously you want to make it look as naturally as possible, but how much of that is really coordinated? Um, so every college has a system called ARMS. ARMS is just your database. You keep all your profile, profile of recruits and your offers, who's visited. If you want to send an unofficial visit or official visit, it's lined up with NCAA compliance. So you know when you cannot have communication, when you can, what type of communication, like it is detailed. And the support staff is the ones that go in and put in everything about the kid, your favorite foods, your, your social media, mom, dad name, girlfriend's name, whatever you name it, right? You're putting it in there. So when a coach does contact the kid, you have all that, you pull it up. And so any any evaluation that goes on, like I'm saying I'm recruiting you. I I watch film with Coach Mary, and he takes like tells me all the notes. I'll go back and put in every single detail note he said about you. So when it's time to, you know, watch your film again, like six months down the road, okay, he's improved on this, 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 and this. He's gotten better. Yeah, let's go ahead and offer him. But you have all of that. But in the meantime, I'm building out your profile, asking you questions via DM trying to get to know you. Um, and so it kind of just builds from that. And then, you know, unless it's a kid, like you really, really, I got to have, find out everything there is to know now. And 
they're color coded, right? If it's green, more than likely he's an offer kid. If he's red, if he's red, he's a kid that hey, we want, we have offered, but he has committed to us. Um, then you have you know just kind of different colors based on where they're ranked at. Are there any? And this is because there was a bit of a controversy with this, specifically with Lane Kiffin in 2012. The, the idea of the hostesses, right? Is there are there non-athletic department students that are helping with recruiting in any way that you're aware of? Um, not that I'm aware of, right? I mean, most time you have the big support staff. Most schools have big support staffs, but you have a lot of student, you know, volunteers who work with the football team, right? Right. Uh, that recruiting, you know, they come in and just volunteer their time just to help out and host recruits and take them around campus when they go to lunch, dinner. Uh, when they split off, when kids go with, you know, when athletes go be with other athletes and parents go be with other parents, you got best support staff helping that, you know, splitting off and helping with that. So none, but no one outside of football uh, that I'm aware of, usually everybody's there and you kind of, it's a sign of sheep. Hey, you want to help volunteer? I know you probably see it all over Twitter now. We're accepting, you know, intern, you want to learn the game of football, be around it. If you're a student here, come out here and, you know, put your name on the list pretty much. And so you see a lot of that. What do you, what has been the biggest positive and maybe negative that you've noticed in recruiting over the last five years? Uh, positive? I would say you get a chance, opportunity to change a kid's life, especially if you're his first offer, just the offer period. Um, once you get to learn about kids and their stories, knowing what a scholarship offer really is doing for them and the trajectory of their future, possibly like I get a chance to get a degree at the end of the day, right? And change my family, right? Generations. It's starting with me. It's starting with the kid, whatever kid you offer. That's the joy and positivity of it to me, right? Because I'm all about the kids. I'm all about the kids bettering themselves and their futures. Um, I'll say the negative side is maybe the handlers of these recruits, the guys who, the grown-ups who want to feel just as important as the recruits. Um, they want to be in the mix, you know, the entire time, and they want this to shine versus the kid, right? It's like you're really about the kid, be about the kid, but some some adults really want to be this. They want to be the celebrity. They want to be the kid and, and really take the kid shine and just you know requesting, asking things and. Yeah, that's the negative. Is side. that are those folks generally familial, or is it because I know we have agents now? I know we've got a whole a whole slew of representatives. What are you noticing in terms of who is filling that role of the quote handler? Um, it could be uncle, somebody, a friend of the family, uh, somebody who maybe trains kids. And I wouldn't say most trainers do because most trainers don't get that I know don't interfere. Um, but you have some out there who, who do and they want to be like steady, like super involved and want to take over because, you know, they want to be in the mix. Um, so like personally, I don't know any, but um, usually it's just somebody who's close to the family that mom trusts, you know. Is it good, they, Is there a positive side of having a handler? Those who are about the kids, yes, right? Those who just want to help kids. I'll tell you this, before I got into... Uh, coaching at the college level, and, and I helped a ton of kids. I would redo their huddle, highlight film, like, hey, it needs to look like this. You know what? I'll do it. I helped kids that didn't play for me in, in high school. I didn't I never charge a dime, never ask for any money, never asked to even go on any visits with them. I just wanted to help them so that, hey, when you send a coach an email or a DM, it needs to look like this. It needs to be uniform, right? Name, number, SAT, SAT scores, uh, your GPA. Have your transcript link there. Have your huddle. Then have your film, right? And then your stats. Like, 
I would just help kids because I just wanted to help see kids do better, right? Uh, have a chance to progress in life. And so you got those people like that, like I was, you know, coming up. So um, those guys are positive figures in kids' lives. What percentage of the players do you think that are that are going to the next level? They're going to college from high school. How much of them do you f- are are seeking out and or have trainers? They've got individual skill trainers working with them. That's a big number. I'm trying maybe maybe sixty percent. Okay. Um, and if you don't have one, you should get one. I because the college game is so much faster, right? You want to get there. You want to already know what to do. Is that a, is already are they primarily skill positions or is it across the board? Everybody's getting it across the board. It's yeah. across the board. Yeah. Across the board. If you're quarterback, running back, tight end receiver, O line, D line, yeah, linebacker, all of it. And how often are these kids working with that trainer a week, would you say? Um, I would say probably like spring now. I see, I see a post that some trainers are putting out there like, hey, we may train two or three times a week. Um, during the summer, probably the same schedule during the season, maybe once, you know, um, once a week during the season, but yeah, two or three times a week, you know, off season wise. And I don't want to get you in trouble with this question, but what, what's that generally cost? What's a, what's a family spending a month on a trainer ballpark? Um, I think it varies with every trainer. So I, I, I wouldn't know, honestly, you know, what they're charging, maybe 50 bucks a session. Um, some of the better ones may charge more, um, um, a lot of them, you know, they have so many kids that they are charging forty dollars a session, which could be relatively on the low end, right? They have thirty kids, well, it adds up. So uh, it just really depends on the trainer and who who they who have they produce, right? They have a ton of kids at the college level. They're probably going to get more kids than those who are just now starting out. So it just really just depends. All right, man. Thanks. I'm glad, and I'm assuming throughout the course of this conversation, you weren't driving. No, 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 no. Are you still, are you like in the dentist parking lot? Where are you? I, I am in a dentist parking lot. <laughs> your level, your level of commitment here is very inspiring. Uh, I did say we could do this tomorrow, but I really do appreciate you jumping in and making sure we kept our schedule. So thank you so much for that. Oh yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, thank you very much. This again, I know we just started in this. We didn't even do an introduction. This is uh, Inside Texas. This is our Sunday conversation with our coach. Please check out all of his work at InsideTexas.com. We're running a special right now. It is $1 for your first month, which frankly is it's inexcusable for you not to at least give it a try. We want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us, and we will see you the next time around. Thanks so much.